What is good, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Tuesday, March 23rd. Man, I hope all you guys are doing good out there. Hopefully, all you guys continue to stay safe. Of course, we're still dealing with this coronavirus pandemic, man. So please wash your hands as much as possible to keep the virus from getting on your hands and especially your face. Please wear a mask anytime you step outside and are a part of a large group, crowd, or gathering. And of course, the most important point that I must continue to say because it is very important and vital. If you have any type of sunlight, wherever you may be at on the globe, please go outside and get some ultraviolet rays, aka sunlight on your skin because I promise you the sun kills all viruses and the coronavirus is not excluded from that list. And of course, we are still demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. We are still demanding justice for Jacob Blake. We are still demanding justice for Elijah McClain. And we're going to continue to demand justice for anybody that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murderers, man. And yes, sadly, I've seen the tragic events that took place last week in Atlanta, where I believe six Asian Asian people were killed. And I think they had two other people with them that were also, you know, senselessly murdered as well. So stop Asian hate. And let's just stop hate, period, man. Like, I'm tired of this. Weed out all these evil individuals. It's getting old. The people that hate in our society are the biggest people that hold us back. Spread love, man. I promise you, it's not hard to do. Get in tune with yourself. Learn that love is the highest vibration. And just work on yourself. And you're going to understand that the world isn't as bad a place as people make it out to be. But if you heal first... That's going to change your whole perspective. It's all about healing. It's all about getting right and just, you know, simply changing your mindset, man, because there's so many people with ugly mindsets, ugly attitudes that are holding us back and it needs to stop, man. I'm tired of people being killed. I got love for anybody who got love in them. That's that's how it goes, period. And even the people that don't have love in themselves, I still got love for them, but it's going to be from a distance because I'm not trying to deal with that negative energy and the hate and stuff like that, man. So just look out for people. Be nice. You never know what people are going through. Even if you think you come from the toughest of backgrounds, and the hardest of backgrounds, I promise you, it's always somebody that's gone through it worse than you, man. So just be grateful for this life. But let's get right into today's topic at hand. And that is the 2021 NCAA tournament. Because of course, the tournament was canceled in 2020 because of coronavirus hitting the earth and nobody knowing how severe it would be. But to have it back, man, I was so excited this past weekend from Thursday all the way up until yesterday, this Monday. So that's a four-day stretch where I was watching nothing but college basketball. And I'm so, so grateful to have it back because this tournament has been so crazy. I don't even care about the brackets anymore because I only made two brackets and both of them had Illinois winning, which is crazy. We'll talk about them in a second. But it's March Madness for a reason. And madness happens every single year, pretty much in every game, even if the higher seeds win. And this year, it's just been crazy. So, of course, you got Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts right now is the Cinderella of this tournament. They're a 15 seed. They beat Ohio State 75-72 to in their first game. I believe it was on Friday. And really, they just came down to the wire. They made some bigger plays between Max Acemas and Kevin O'Banner. They have done some big things. And that duo that I just named right there is probably the best duo left in this tournament. And it's crazy because going back a couple weeks ago, rewinding a couple weeks ago, I was actually flipping through my TV and I remember going and landing on ESPN and I watched Oral Roberts compete in their conference tournament championship game and I think they beat up on North Dakota State and I only watched like the last five minutes of it because I had no clue it was on. I was literally just scrolling channels and they put out that game in a very, very tough way and little did I know 
only a couple weeks later would it come to show that Max Acemus is the leading scorer in the country and that Kevin O'Banner is his right-hand man that gets the job done just as well as he does. That duo, man, is formidable. Not only did they beat Ohio State, but they also went on to advance and beat seven-seeded Florida in the next game by three points, and they are headed to the Sweet 16, where they're going to face the Arkansas Razorbacks, excuse me, so that's going to be a great game. We'll talk about Arkansas in a second, but I have to formally issue an apology to the Pac-12, man, because me personally, in my bracket, in one of my brackets that I had, I didn't have the Pac-12 advancing any of their teams out of the first round. I'm gonna just be honest. Like my thing with the Pac-12, I've had a big gripe with the Pac-12. I don't think I've ever said it on here, but my problem with the Pac-12 has always been this. I am from Southern California, and I realized that the Pac-12 gets a lot of talent. They probably produce some of the best professional players in the league, from James Harden, Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, Clay Thompson. The Pac-12 has put out so many good professional players, Jason Kidd, Gary Payton. The list is long. Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine. I can go on all day about the great players that have come out of the Pac-12 conference. My thing is, as of recently, especially the past decade, the Pac-12 has not done anything really of national importance on the college basketball level. That's my thing. They always beat up on each other and do what they got to do in conference play. But when it comes to national games against the big-time programs like the Michigan States, um, the Ohio States, the Blue Blood schools, just big-time you know, teams and universities, Pac-12 doesn't really do anything with that. But in this tournament so far, You've had Oregon. Yes, I know they got their first game canceled and they you know, had to advance because VCU had some positive COVID tests. They beat down on Iowa yesterday, which kind of sucked to see Luca Garza go out like that. But Oregon is a great team led by Dana Altman. And to be fair, though, I always give credit to Dana Altman because Dana Altman is by far and away the best head coach in the Pac-12. That's just my personal opinion. He holds down the Pac-12 because remember, Oregon did get to the Final Four in 2016. He does a great job with that program. I will never knock Dana Allman, but when it comes to Andy Enfield, and we're going to give Mick Cronin some time, even though he's done a good job in year two, they get the talent. You know, with Steve Alford, USC had the talent. They just never did anything with it. And that's my thing with USC. They don't do anything with it. Even Arizona. I know Sean Miller is facing some stuff with the NCAA and the FBI, but he gets the talent. We all seen he had DeAndre Ayton. He had Alonzo Trier. He had Riley Hawkins. He had Kobe Simmons. He gets all the top players, but he never does anything with it. That is my biggest problem. But Dana Allman does. We've seen UCLA in the playing game beat my Michigan State Spartans, then they went off to handle BYU, and then they beat Abilene Christian. And give credit to Abilene Christian, man, because Abilene Christian... Who would have thought beat a Texas team that won the Big 12 Conference Tournament Championship game, had so much talent between Matt Coleman, a senior veteran leader at point guard, um, Kai Jones and Greg Brown were two future NBA players, Courtney Ramey, Jericho Sims, a really tough Texas team, and Abilene Christian forces them into 20-plus turnovers. When you have 20-plus turnovers and you have the ball for 60 possessions, that means you turn the, bo- the ball over on 33% of your possessions. That is not going to win you any game in the NCAA tournament. So credit to Abilene Christian for getting the job done. But then Oregon State, the Beavers, who probably weren't even supposed to be in this tournament, but of course they get hot. They win the Pac-12 Conference Tournament Championship against Colorado. They advance. They automatically stand for ticket into March Madness. And now look at them. As a 12 seed, 
beat Tennessee easily. And if you, you guys know me, I am not a huge Rick Barnes fan. Rick Barnes, another guy, gets all the talent in the world, but barely does anything with it. And that was the same case for this team. Oregon State handled them with, honestly, ease. Even though Tennessee tried to make a run in the second half, Oregon State was still just too good. And then Oregon State knocks off Oklahoma State. Cade Cunningham played his last game against Oregon State in the round of 32. Oregon State did a great job, man, between Jared Lucas, um, Ethan Thompson is a bucket getter, Roman Silva's from Rancho Cucamonga, shout to the 909. Oregon State has some players. Even the guy Kalu. Kalu was actually an Oregon, excuse me, he was an Oklahoma State transfer in that game for Oregon State. He averaged five points on the season. In that game against Oklahoma State, he had 12 points in the first half. Oregon State was just unstoppable. They're a really fun team. They're going to play Loyola Chicago, which is going to be a great game in the Sweet 16. But, man, let's talk about the Ramblers. Again, Sister Jean is back. Only three years later, Sister Jean and the Loyola Chicago Ramblers are back. In the first round, they kind of squeeze out a game against Georgia Tech, which is a really solid win. The second round is where they made the most noise. They beat Illinois, who was my pick to win the entire tournament. They beat the Fighting Illini, another team. Brad Underwood, just like Shaka Smart, probably had the most talented team he's ever had, the most successful season he's ever had in Champaign, Illinois, coming out of the Big Ten, and they lose. And to be fair, like the game really wasn't an upset. If you watch the game, Loyola Chicago, a lot of credit to Porter, Porter Moser and his staff, you know, Drew Valentine, shout out to Drew. They did a great job of scouting and putting the film out there and having their team ready for this Illinois team. They stopped them in transition. They hedged uh, Ayo DeSumo off every screen. They didn't let him get downhill going towards the rim with his right hand. They double-teamed Kofi Coburn in the post. Every single thing that Illinois tried to do, Loyola Chicago had an answer for it times two. And they completely rattled the fighting Illini. It sucks that Trey, uh, excuse me, that Trent Frazier's career is over, that Ayo DeSumo's career is probably finished as well. But man... Loyola Chicago, man, Cameron Crutwig, that entire team, like everybody that, that they put on the floor contributed in a large way, man. And, and just what they did, the attention to detail, it was spectacular. Like go back and watch that game and their defense was hounding. That was probably the best defense I've ever witnessed with my two eyes. And I've watched millions of minutes of basketball in my life. And I don't think I've ever seen basketball play like that on the, the defensive end any better than what Loyola Chicago did to Illinois. So give them a lot of credit. But staying in the Pac-12, though, again, you got UCLA, USC. They beat Drake in the first round, which was, you know, a good win. But what they did yesterday, beating on, or excuse me, on Kansas, they played the Jayhawks yesterday. And I knew going into the game that the worst possible matchup outside of Gonzaga for Kansas in the NCAA tournament was USC. Why? Because Kansas' thing is, one, they don't have a point guard. And two, they get a lot of their buckets from inside the paint. And when you have Evan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley on the other team, especially alongside Chavez Goodwin as well, you have one of the best defensive front courts in all the nation. And that's exactly what happened. USC was just dominant on the defensive end. They forced Kansas into a lot of tough shots. Kansas had no response to that. And USC was just hot on the offensive end from Taj Edey against Chavez Goodwin. Isaiah Mobley had a big-time game. USC, man, is a scary, scary team. That is going to be a great matchup for them in the Sweet 16 against Oregon. Yes, Oregon did actually play them once, or they did play each other once in the Pac-12 conference play. Um, USC lost that game. I believe, no, I, yeah, I think, I don't even remember. I'm sorry. I saw the score, but I don't know why I'm forgetting it right now. But regardless, though. 
that's going to be a good game. You know why? Because those are two teams that know each other. They've seen each other before. They were actually supposed to play two times a season, but I think the first time got canceled because one team had a, a positive, was dealing with a COVID situation. So that's going to be a fun game, though, nonetheless, though. Oregon versus USC, it, it, it's just good, though. I, I'm happy for the Pac-12, man, because, again, they get all of the talent. I've been waiting for them to make noise nationally outside of Dana Altman. That's always been my biggest gripe, but I'm happy for them. Another story is Buddy Bayheim. Jim Beheim in the Syracuse Orangemen. In the first round, Syracuse dominated, who was my pick to be a Cinderella this year, San Diego State. They beat San Diego State 78-62, to and I thought San Diego State was going to be way closer than that. Even if they lost, I expected the Aztecs to be in a much closer game than that. So they stomped on San Diego State, and then after Buddy Beheim had 30 points and shot 7 of 10 from the three-point line. He shot 70% from the three-point line in that game. Think about that. Then they go on to win a tough West Virginia team. A tough, we all know Bob Huggins, his teams are always going to be tough. And give credit to Coach Huggins, man. He surpassed or he uh, reached an accomplishment of 900 career wins in his career. That's a lot of wins, man. He's been doing this for a very long time. It's a shame that Bob Huggins is not yet in the Hall of Fame. He should have definitely already been in there. But for Syracuse to get that win, man, they squeezed out that win by a score of 75 to 72. That's big. And I figured it out. I finally figured out why Syracuse has so much success in the tournament. It's simply because of that zone. And we all know that 2-3 zone by Jim Beheim is a staple of that Syracuse program. He's been running it way longer than I've been alive on this earth. And it works, especially because nowadays, nobody really plays zone defense. Jim Beheim and the Syracuse Orangemen are one of the only teams left in the nation, in the country, that still play zone. Especially their zone, they play so high. They force the ball to stay in the middle of the court. They make you take tough shots. They double-team the post. And really, it's just active. They have long hands. They take charges. They are really good in that zone. I always figured that, you know, it's going to help them out and it benefits them, and it does. It usually kind of comes to, you know, bite them back in the butt using, like, the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. But nonetheless, though, they got the job done, and they can beat Houston. They can beat Houston. Like, Houston, I love that Houston team, but they can beat Houston. I'm going to tell you guys why, because, yes... Houston did win their first game in the round of 64 versus Cleveland State. They then went on to beat Rutgers and give credit to Rutgers, man. Rutgers got their first NCAA tournament win since 1983. Think about that. That's a 38-year drought. And Steve Peichel, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., Jacob Young have got the Scarlet Knights trending back in the right direction. Their basketball program is no longer a bottom-of-the-barrel type program. Congrats to Rutgers. I hope their fans enjoyed that first victory against Clemson. I know they came up short in this game against Houston. But with Houston, my thing with them, because I, I, I've been saying that Houston is a Final Four quality team. My thing with them right now, though, is their point guard, Marcus Sasser, is not shooting the ball well whatsoever. If Houston wants to keep advancing in this tournament, Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars need Marcus Sasser to come alive and start hitting shots. He was breaking so many shots in this game against Rutgers. I thought Rutgers was going to win. And if Rutgers didn't make a couple mistakes at the end and under the last five minutes of that game against Houston, Rutgers probably would be in the Sweet 16 right now. But that's the difference between winning a game and losing a game. It's them little hustle plays. And that's exactly what happened. And Rutgers gets knocked out and Houston moves on. But if Houston can beat Syracuse, it's going to be because they hit their outside shots. That's all it is to beat Syracuse. I know it sounds easier said than done, but if you're able to hit your threes because in that zone, ball movement is going to kill a zone every single time. If you make the zone work, if you get the ball around from one part of the court to the other side, you can beat the zone. And that's all it takes is for your teams to hit the three 
at a high clip. It's not easy, but it is possible. And that's usually how Syracuse gets bounced out of the tournament year in and year out. So I think Ruck, or excuse me, I think Houston can do it, but I like Syracuse in this game just for the fact that Marcus Sasser has not been shooting well at all. So going to Baylor versus Villanova. Baylor beat Hartford in the first round. They then went on to beat Wisconsin in the second round pretty handedly. They're starting to look like the team that was really good and one of the best teams in the country before COVID hit their program. Scott Drew, the Bears, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, um, Mayer. They just have a really solid team. So against the Villanova team though, Villanova hasn't necessarily been challenged in this tournament because their first game was against Winthrop. Their second game was against North Texas, and give North Texas credit, they got their first win in NC. They got their first win in the NCAA tournament in the history of their program in beating Purdue. So that's big for them. Shout out to Javion Hamlet. He had a big time game in that game. But then they went on to lose to Villanova. And Villanova, even without Colin Gillespie, who's their lead guard, he's the point guard, he's the program guard. Everybody loves him. They still are getting the job done between Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You got Caleb Daniels. You got Samuels. You got uh, Eric Dixon. You know, Brian Antoine is playing a little bit more now. Nova is still a really good team. And I'm still undecided on who I got winning this game between Baylor and Villanova because these are two well-coached teams that play hard and they preach and their principles lie upon their defense. And that's going to be the big thing here is whose defense can get more stops. That's all it's going to be. So I don't know who I got winning that game. I kind of am favoring Villanova, but something tells me that Baylor's going to get the job done. But that game is very concerning. So let's go to Creighton versus Gonzaga, which will be a Sweet 16 game as well. The Blue Jays won a very close game in the round of 64 against UC Santa Barbara, who actually had winning that game, but Creighton advanced by beating them by one point. They then go on to beat Ohio. Of course, Jason Preston had a big-time game against Virginia. They beat fourth-seeded Virginia in the first round of the 13th seed, but they fell short against this Creighton team. And so Creighton is playing pretty well right now. I can't lie. Marcus Zagorowski is one of the best guards in the country. Denzel Mahoney is another really good guard. You got Damian Jefferson. You got Bishop. That team is solid. They just don't have a lot of depth. And against Gonzaga, who, you know, just destroyed Norfolk State. And then they had a really good game against Oklahoma. And another team, Oklahoma, give them credit, man. Austin Reeves had a big-time game. So did Elijah Harkless. Um, and so did Kirk Quath, or Kirk Queth, excuse me. Oklahoma played really well, but Gonzaga was still just too much from the pressure that they put on them, being able to hit some big-time jump shots. You know, Drew Timmy had a big-time game. I got to give the edge to the Bulldogs in this game. I just think they're the hottest team in the country. Honestly, again, I, I've been saying this, but if Mark Few doesn't win it all this year, he probably will never get a national championship in his tenure at Gonzaga because this team is by far the best team so far that he's had ever. And another thing is you don't have to see any blue bloods. It's no Duke in the in the tournament. It's no Kentucky in the tournament right now. It's no Michigan State. It's no real other, you know, comp- competition, to be honest with you. Like, I-, I hate to say it because anybody can lose in March Madness. But right now, it's just like I don't see anybody really beating this Gonzaga team. The only team that I thought could was Illinois. We all know what happened to them. They got booted out the tournament by Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago. So, Gonzaga, man, I got to go with them in that one. Now, Michigan and Florida State, because that's going to be another really good game between two excellent head coaches in Leonard Hamilton and Jawan Howard. And this game is interesting because Florida State, they won their first game against uh, UNCG, you know, University of North Carolina Greensboro, which was a good game as well. Credit to the Langley Twins and Isaiah Miller and Wes Miller at that. And then they beat uh, Colorado in their next game, which is a tough Buffalo squad led by Tab Boyle and McKinley Wright, of course. And for Michigan, they beat Texas Southern in the first round. 
and then they beat LSU, which was a good win too because LSU has some big-time offensive firepower between Cam Thomas, Javante Smart, and Trenton Wofford. So Michigan has a couple good wins under their belt. In this game, though, this is another game where I'm undecided because I genuinely have no idea who I want to pick in this game because you could go in Michigan, and I wouldn't be mad at you for that because, you know, even with without uh, Isaiah Livers, they still have some good players. You know, Shawnee Brown played excellent in the game against LSU as well as uh, Eli Brooks and Franz Wagner hit some big-time shots. Hunter Dickinson was excellent. So you could go Michigan, but Florida State is just as good because Raekwon Gray, Anthony Polite, Scotty Barnes off the bench, the key to me in this game is going to come down to the centers. And the center for Michigan is Hunter Dickinson. And the center for Florida State is Balsa Kaprizovic. Forgive, <clears throat> forgive me if I'm not pronouncing his name right. But those two guys are going to be the difference makers in this game. If Balsa can stop Hunter Dickinson, Florida State's going to win. If Hunter Dickinson can be aggressive and get you know somewhere between 12 to 15 points, I think Michigan wins this game. But either way, I'm rooting for both these head coaches, two up-and-coming you know black head coaches. Leonard Hamilton is a Hall of Famer. I think Jawan Howard is well on his way to getting into the Hall of Fame himself. He's done a great job in his couple years at Michigan already. Getting them to a Sweet 16 is just a real good step in the right direction. So that's going to be a good one. And then you got UCLA versus Bama. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bruins... Versus the Crimson Tide. Another game that I think... I'm going to go with Alabama. I just think you, as great as a tournament run that UCLA has had, winning three games, again, versus Michigan State, BYU, and Abilene Christian, I just think Bama has too much firepower for UCLA. I know UCLA has Tiger Campbell, Jules Bernard, Cody Riley, but... Bama just plays fast and give credit to Nate Oates because he's done a wonderful job in his two years at Alabama so far. They play fast, they play defense, and they just have so much firepower. They have an elite defensive player in Herb Jones. You got Jaden Shackle for hitting threes. You got John Petty hitting threes. You got Javon Quinterly coming off the bench and being one of the best six men in the country. Um, Josh Primo is back. The freshman's done a really good job this year. This team is dangerous, man. Um, Alex Reese is a dead-eye shooter. Jordan Brenner is another really good player, too. This team is dangerous. I'm going to take Alabama in that game. So let's go to Loyola Chicago versus Oregon State um, real quickly. I like Loyola Chicago in this game. I just think they're too good. I think Oregon State has had a really good run. They're going to need to continue their hot shooting if they want to get through this game. But I just think Loyola Chicago's defense is scary. They, they've been playing well um, so far. And right now, man... They're probably the hottest team in the tournament after, like, Gonzaga. And, yeah, they're probably, yeah, right there. They're probably right up there, Loyola Chicago. They won the NBC uh, Tournament Championship, and they just haven't stopped since. So, you know, it, it's been fun, man. I absolutely love everything about this. Like, the NCAA Tournament is nothing like it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime type event. To me, it's the best sporting event of them all because madness just happens every single year. And this year, it has not disappointed at all, especially being in a pandemic with not having fans like that, even though I do enjoy and love seeing some fans in these stadiums. And credit to the state of Indianapolis. And I'm going to give a little bit of credit to the NCAA because they have done a good job with this, but they failed badly when it comes to the women's side of the tournament for that weight room situation, the food situation, and all of that. They need to be better and held accountable with that. I've I seen they did a little bit better, but still, those problems should never even arise and occur in the first place, so we're glad to see the women getting treated better, but come on now, let's be better than that. They should have had a way bigger weight room, should have had way better food than what, they, what I was seeing at least, so... 
it is what it is. Watch the women's tournament if you get a chance. It always is fun, especially in the Final Four. To me, in my personal opinion, I think the women's Final Four the past three years has been better than the men's. That's just my personal opinion. You know, you can take that for what you want, but the women's tournament does get good. Do not sleep. It's a lot of good teams from Iowa to Baylor to South Carolina to Maryland. Um, sadly, Arkansas got knocked out early by Wright State. That was a tough loss for Chelsea Dungy and Mike Neighbors. But yeah, man, it's back. You know, March Madness is crazy. Anything can happen. I'm enjoying this. I hope you guys are all enjoying it too. I'm going to be talking about it all week. So look out for me everywhere. You love your college basketball. I got you guys. And yeah, man, as always, I appreciate you guys for listening, man. It's been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports. I'm a college basketball writer slash blogger slash journalist featured alongside a whole bunch of other really talented writers slash bloggers slash journalists. I am also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network alongside a whole bunch of other really good content creators and podcast also so please go check us out on our podcast network as well man and i appreciate you guys as always please like comment subscribe rate review and share and if you listen to my podcast on apple podcast please leave it rate and review that is how we share grow and expand the podcast i will talk to you guys tomorrow as always we got a lot of stuff to talk about man the nba trade deadline is thursday we're definitely going to talk about that but as always peace love and blessings gone